So now whose side are you on? I have to think about which argument I would rather be wrong in real quick. (laughs) I think I didn't have much skin in the game with the initial argument with Lauren, so I am on Kate's side. My side? (laughs) Shit, that's confusing. So the last time Kate was on, I'm pretty sure we opened with a story about how we had just went to Chipotle and Kate ate like a really big burrito. And yes, we did just come from Chipotle. Every interaction I've actually ever had with you two as a couple has involved Chipotle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it has. Like the one time that I've been to Columbus since you guys have been together, we we got done recording the podcast and then you guys were going to go to Chipotle and it was like this whole big, like the logistics of getting Chipotle. Oh yeah. And they were out of rice. Yeah. They were out of rice. So I got a quesadilla and I texted Zane and I'm like, they're out of rice. Do you still want a burrito? And he said, yes. Yeah. I remember because I was like, how does Chipotle run out of rice? That's like pretty, that's pretty essential to their whole thing. You know? That Chipotle is horrible. Well, first, we were playing this game called Just One. So it's kind of like taboo, except there aren't any words that are off limits. You just have to be like the only person that like writes the word. So if the word is like ketchup and two people write condiment, then like nobody gets to show him the word condiment. So they got the word subway. And I guess everybody was thinking about the new documentary, Jared from subway there's a documentary Mm -hmm. just came out on hbo i think i just knew that i just knew about jared but anyways zane writes down (laughs) pedophile no i didn't write down pedophile i wrote down pedophile spelled it p-h-e-d and i was like zane where did you think the extra h came from and he said i thought it was silent And then he also asked me how to spell fedora. I did not ask. You just saw what I wrote down and said I spelled it wrong. And it <laughs> how do you misspell fedora? It's exactly how it, how it sounds. F-A. Oh, no. I'm a really bad speller, too. So maybe that's just something in the family. That My two most famous um, spelling errors were, I think, one was discovered by a friend of the podcast, Devin. In high school, I was typing a paper in the library and I kept typing the word autumn. And I was like, why is word telling me that I'm spelling autumn wrong? And Devin was like, because you are. There's an N at the end of the word. Didn't know. And then the other one, I don't know how I figured this out, but my entire life I have said ornament, like a Christmas ornament. And I thought it was spelled O-R-D. I did not know it was O-R-N. I learned that also in high school. Are you still saying ordument? I probably do out of habit, but I was I was enunciating it so you you understood how okay. my issue. Well, there's the other really famous one, fuselage. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that you know whatever. I've never tried to write that word, so I'm not going to count it. <laughs> I am a pretty good speller. In fact, the other day I spelled onomatopoeia without 
even looking. But one word that always trips me up is the word embarrassed. Do I have to spell it? Can you spell embarrassed? Okay, give me a second. E M B. Don't look. A R. Is there another R? I'm not going to tell you. E M B A R R. No, it's one R. One R A S S E D. There are two R's. Fuck! But that was better than me. I always spell it instead of um two A's. I want to do like embarrassed. Mm. Like E-S-S. Well, That's I, the, other than that, though, I mean a spelling bee. I thought two R's and two S's was just too much, you know? Mm. No. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Lauren Gets Lost. I'm Zane. I'm Lauren. And I'm Kate. And today we are covering Season 2, Episode 23, Live Together, Die Alone, Part 1. Before we get started, I just want to tell you I'm a little flustered. I had a mini heart attack today. I was driving home from work, and I get a phone call, an unknown number. I answered. Because it was a 661 number, which is the Bakersfield area code, and so I was like, it's probably not spam. I answered. It was my neighbor telling me that somehow there is a hole in our fence and Loki went into her yard and was playing with their gigantic German Shepherd. And that dog scares the crap out of me. I was panicked. Luckily I was already on my way home, but I still had 10 minutes. That was the most panicked 10 minutes of my life. She was like, I think they're okay. And I was like, Oh, well, you could put him back in my yard because my gate's not locked, but the hole was still there. So he would have just kept running back into their yard. Oh, my God. Panic. They were fine. Loki survived. He was just covered in slobber. So clearly they were playing the whole time. But I was freaking out. Every German Shepherd I've ever interacted with has been nothing but friendly. I don't know why you're scared of them. German Shepherds are just like, I don't know. They're very territorial. And I guess my fear was, like, Loki went into their yard. Mm. So if anything were to happen, one, I'm completely at fault. It's my dog going in on their property. And I definitely know that the hole in the fence is also Loki's fault. He chews on everything. He literally ripped a hole, like, ripped a plank of wood off the fence and then went into their yard. So, yeah, I was terrified. But everything's fine. And I have a whole my dumb fence. dog. <laughs> yeah, I do. I have a really dumb dog. Well, let's get into this episode. Lauren, I didn't tell you who the centric was about. Did you have an initial reaction to the reveal? I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> I figured the centric was going to be whoever was on the boat. But I didn't guess that that was going to be Desmond. How are we feeling about part one of the finale? I, I know Kate has a hot take here. I thought it was boring. I thought it was boring. We were talking about this, Kate and I. I think season two might be the worst finale, personally. I like it, but like really just thinking about everything that happens in the next four seasons and even season one, I feel like it's just like it's just kind of boring. Honestly, like because I watched it yesterday. I normally watch it the day we record, but I watched it yesterday. And when I was sitting down to be like, okay, we're about to record, I was like, what even happened? I, nothing i don't 
really remember. Really just a lot of setup for the second half. The only big thing is like Michael gets found out, but like Yeah. I think I'm just not a fan of two-part finales. Really? Yeah. I did wish I could just watch it all the way through. I do think because that's how it aired, right? Yeah. I think oh, that would have been together. A- I think that would have been a better viewing experience for me, but I do understand for the integrity of the podcast that I had to watch it in two parts. But yeah, I feel like because the first part is just a lot of ramp up. Yeah. Well, maybe that's something we could do going forward. I know other than season four, all the finales aired together. So maybe we could just do one big episode going forward. So I've got some quick bits for this episode, or do you want to do your synopsis first? Honestly, I, I started and and erased and then started and erased the synopsis many times because there was kind of a lot going on in this episode, but it was a lot of like setup. So this is all I ended up with. Multiple plans are set in motion and Lauren is getting anxious. Because <laughs> I started to list out what everybody's doing. I was like, Locke doesn't want to press the button and they're going to go to the others and they're on a boat. And something else, I was just like, it's a lot. It's a lot going on. And Claire's going to give her baby a shot. No. (laughs) Well, for some quick bits, this episode was directed by... Jack Bender. This episode also introduces Charles and Penny Widmore. Also, in The Whole Truth, Son's pregnancy test was made by Widmore Labs, which I pointed out, and I don't think you noticed. I fucking, when they said his name, I was like, that has to be an important name. I don't know why, but it has to be. That rich bitch, he has something to do with something. (laughs) I knew it. This was the first episode to feature flashbacks about a character who was not on board Oceanic 815. Speaking of this episode, production began to write this finale four weeks prior to its airing, and the episode was shot in 17 days with two simultaneous crews. In fact, the final scene in part two was filmed five days before the episode aired. They really rushed that shit. Yeah, that's why you need to have writers at all times. Hey, your writers. We stand with the writer's strike. Hell yeah. Desmond's full name is Desmond David Hume. David Hume, like John Locke, was an important philosopher of the 18th century. Hume was heavily influenced by Locke, which is kind of portrayed in this episode when Desmond just follows Locke in the whole we're not pushing the button thing. And lastly, Calvin Inman is played by Clancy Brown, the voice of Mr. Krabs. (laughs) Oh, for fuck's sake, Lauren. Did you really not notice? Okay, wait. I knew I recognized him, but I didn't know why. <laughs> so is it the same guy or did they just use the yes, same actor? Yes, it's the same he guy. And Saeed, the last episode you were on, the one he where was... you freaked out that the guy was Mr. Krabs? Yeah, I remembered that he was Mr. Krabs, but I didn't realize that we saw him outside of the hatch. Yeah, he was, he was... in Saeed's backstory. He was in the army. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, I thought about it. When you sent me your notes, there was an utter lack of talk about Mr. Krabs. So now it's all making sense. Because I, I, I saw that guy and I was like, he looks familiar. And that was the, that was the <laughs> end of it. 
fun. Oh my god. <laughs> How'd that get there? So let's get into it. Let's. The episode starts off with the survivors waving at the boat, thinking it's rescue, but some of them thinks it might be the others. So Saeed, Jack, and Sawyer ditch their shoes and shirts, except for Jack, and swim out to the boat in jeans. Want them to take their pants off, too? And you don't fucking swim out in jeans! What if they weren't the, wearing underwear? The funny thing is, remember when they were going to go rescue that one girl that was drowning? Joanna. And I gave them a lot of shit for ripping their shirts off before they swam, and you're like, oh, because it slows them down. I feel like jeans would slow them down way more, but it does take a long time to take jeans off, at least in my experience. But none of that matters. What actually matters is that right here, right now, Saeed won Hottie of Week. You're just and then doing he just. That? No, that's not even true a little bit. It's not even true a little bit. You're kidding me? Did you see him take his shirt off? Sawyer tried. Saeed, the thing is, I didn't write it down yet, but I was like, mental note, points. And then he just solidified it the rest of the episode. All right, so either Saeed or Sawyer is going to win it next week, or they'll tie for first. I'm not going to let the results, you really shouldn't be telling me stuff like this, because that's going to like mentally sway me. I don't care about that. I told you I respect the integrity of hottie of the week whoever's you hot absolutely next week. do not but we do not have time to have this argument again oh my god you're so annoying kate has a pair of binoculars that just do not work it's like she just cupped her hands like did you notice there was no magnification at all no, it literally went from a shot of the boat to a shot of the boat through her binoculars that was the exact same just a little grainy yeah awful it was my first note those binoculars stuck. The sexy trio reach the boat and whip out their guns, and opera music is coming from below deck. They move towards the door when bullets fire. The clicking of an empty gun signals that it's safe, so they kick the door in and find a drunk Desmond who starts laughing when he recognizes Jack. Later at night, Jack offers a more drunk Desmond some food and comments on him not mentioning that he had a sailboat. Then he asks why he came back, and Desmond says that he has been sailing since he left, and he should have reached Fiji over a week ago, but the world out there is gone. He says they are stuck in a bloody snow globe. Desmond tells him to leave him alone, and then asks if they are still pushing the button, which Jack confirms. What was your initial reaction to Desmond's return? I didn't have very big of a reaction. I've been wondering about him lately, so I just was like, oh, there he is. I'm glad he's not another. Thoughts on what he had to say about a snow globe? It's interesting. What I think it is, is it's the giant magnet just pulling the boat back towards the island. You know how it is. Magnets and stuff. In the first flashback, Desmond is released from prison. He's given the photo of him and Penny we saw in orientation and a copy of Charles Dickens' Our Mutual Friend. Oh. <laughs> Zane today goes, who is the author of world-renowned Our Mutual Friend? And I was like, okay, it's clearly not that world-renowned because I don't know. And I didn't know why he was asking me that, and now it makes sense. Well, while we're on the topic. Our Mutual Friend is the last completed novel written by Charles Dickens. 
The book is largely believed to be the most challenging that Dickens produced and is known for the seemingly rushed ending. The novel is about the son of a tycoon who must marry a specific woman to inherit his father's fortune. He shuns this, leaves, and is presumed drowned, which is untrue. He returns under a new identity, gets hired at a company related to his father, marries the same woman on his own merit, not on his father's riches, and only afterwards assumes his original identity and inherits his fortune. So you can see the similarities between Desmond's story and that book. Sure. Desmond is offered a ride by a mysterious British man, which Desmond initially turns down. Let me stop you there. (laughs) This is how he offered a ride. Get in the car! (laughs) Well, initially he said, want a ride. No, you have to do it in the accent. Want a ride? (laughs) (laughs) That was a horrible accent. (laughs) Yeah, it was really bad. Charles's accent doesn't sound that like distinct at times how would you do it you're no fun how about i do it like mora again <laughs> want to write <laughs> to have you guys heard of love island yet no 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 spoilers i was just watching the first episode when you rudely interrupted me and told me i had to do this award-winning podcast so. <laughs> this man is charles widmore played by alan dale Widmore offers Desmond two boxes, one of which contains his past, the other his future. The past box contains every single letter Desmond wrote to Penny while he was locked away. Desmond calls Widmore a bastard. And Widmore responds, saying it was best for her. She believes that he forsake her, and she is getting married. The future box contains lots of money, with the condition that he never contacts Penny again. He tells him to run away, and Desmond asks why he would just think he would run away, and Widmore calls him a coward. What were your thoughts on Charles Widmore and the introduction to Desmond's love life? It's a classic romance trope. You're not good enough for my daughter, trying to pay you off type of situation. I was more just curious about why he was in prison. He was dishonorably discharged. So you go to prison for that? That's the dishonorably part. No, I don't That's think you always not... go to prison. We know why later on. Well, I don't remember. Yeah, so but you're saying it. Me. You're saying it like that gives me everything I need to know. Why is he dishonorably discharged? That's what I want to know. What did he do? You do? go to jail every time you're dishonorably discharged? Depends on what you do. Usually dishonorably means you did something illegal. Right. Right. But... That doesn't help me. I know he was dishonorably discharged. I want to know what he did. That's what I'm saying. Said tells Jack that he believes fate has given them their advantage over Michael, the boat. Said hatches a plan to sail to the other side of the island while the five of them march across and scout the camp they believe that is a trap. Said says he will burn a signal fire for Jack to rendezvous with him so they will go in together. Jack argues that they are not sure Michael has actually turned on them, and Said says he is certain. Jack says he will need to tell Kate and the others what they are up to, but Saeed says no. The only way this works is if Michael thinks he is in control. Saeed says it is his responsibility to keep it a secret. Then Jack comments on the black smoke, and Saeed says this time it means they are coming. Did you agree with Saeed's plan? Not fully, no. I agree that he that Jack should be the only one that knows that Michael is compromised. He shouldn't be telling everybody. I just don't see, they're going to see a giant sailboat coming towards them. 
I I just don't see how he thinks. I understand that he's like, oh, they'll see the black smoke. They'll know we're coming. But like, they're already going to know you're coming because you're approaching them in a gigantic boat. That just didn't make sense to me. Well, we've seen the rocky shoreline of that camp and they know to look for the hole in the wall. So probably when they see that hole, they would just stop. I still don't feel like, to me, it just feels like too much of a risk. Like, you have no idea how wide they are. Do they go out and scout? Like, it's not hard to see a giant boat in the ocean. Like, his whole plan is, I'm going to use the boat, go around there, scout it out, like, be all secretive. Then I'll light the fire, and that's when they're going to notice, probably. I I just feel like they would have noticed beforehand. So the only part you don't agree with is the boat, not the part that people actually get mad about. I don't really know if there is ever a good answer to this problem because it's like the only way, I guess they could have just said, fuck you, Michael. We know that you've been turned. We feel for your whole son situation, but like you're going to screw us over. So we're not going to help you. And that's kind of the only situation that would have worked to not put anybody in danger except for Walt. But it's like, yeah, I don't really know. I just felt like, for what it was, for what their plan was, to me, it wasn't a very good plan. Kay asked me while she was watching this episode, because she didn't watch any episodes before it for context. She says, do they know Michael killed Ana Lucia and Libby? She also asked, is Libby dead? I yeah, <laughs> yes. In that flashback scene with Libby, I was like, oh, this is, I was like, oh, do Libby and Desmond meet on the island? Like, I don't remember. And then I was like, can I ask that? And then I was like, is Libby dead? <laughs> and then I was like, does Michael know? So it was easier to watch one episode and then be like first season because not that much had happened. But this one episode, I was like, where are Yeah, we? this is the longest you've gone between guest appearances. I was like, I have no idea what's happening. Yeah, that would be difficult. I barely know what's happening and I watch them every week. So same question to you. Do you think Jack, or at the very least Saeed, Thinks Michael killed Ana Lucia and Libby? I feel like, in my mind, Saeed would have had to have put that together. I don't know if Jack has made that connection yet. Like, Jack might just see it as surface level, like, he's compromised. But I think maybe Saeed has thought about it more in depth and realizes how much of a risk he is. Now, granted, Jack gives him an unloaded gun, but that could just be because he's compromised. I don't really know. It's funny that you actually pointed out that Michael did exactly what Saeed did when he freed Nadia. So it would make sense that Saeed would be like, yeah, I've got this all figured out. I've done this. True. Locke walks into the hatch and tells Echo that he has been thinking. He says that Echo is going to allow the counter to go past zero and not enter the button or enter the numbers and hit the button. Echo asks why he would do that, and Locke says because he does not want to be a slave, which could have worded it better. Echo says he is a slave to nothing, but Locke says that he is a slave to the button, just as the alarm starts to go off. Locke again tells him not to push it, and Echo tells him not to tell him what he can't do. He's now the third person to say that quote. He begins the sequence, and Locke takes the Jesus stick and takes a swing at the computer, but Echo blocks it and knocks him down. He then pushes the button and kicks Locke out of the hatch. Locke says that they are puppets on string, and as long as they push the button, they will never be free. And Echo tells him that he is free now as he locks him out. 
I'm not gonna swing at Echo. That's something I wouldn't do. He swung at the computer. Yeah, but you know what? You do not mess with Echo and his Jesus stick. And also, I called this. You did. You were spot on with this one. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he's done. We're jumping ahead. Oh, wait. (laughs) No, Lauren, he's not done. (laughs) Hold on. I, I forgot. I'm very in the moment right now. When that happened, I was like, that's not like, that's not going to deter him. I was like, he's going to do something crazy. I have approximately 15 candles on my desk just because I haven't spaced them out yet. Kate has just been sniffing every single one this entire episode. I want to know what they all smell like. They're the same candles that were at my at my apartment. You never burnt them when I was there, so I don't know what they smell like. Jack hands out the guns to everyone, but Hurley denies his, saying he might kill someone. Again, why is Hurley even going? I did say that. I said, um, no offense, but why Hugo? Now seems like a good time to ask. Lauren, do you have any updated thoughts on why the others suggested or requested these four? No, I don't. But I was recently listening to, I think, episode 19, where they specifically say, like, when Jack and Kate go to make the trade, Henry for somebody, Jack's like, oh, I brought you because the others don't want you, which is interesting because now they do want her and Jack and others. I'm like, why? Kate reminds Jack what they found in the staff station and suggests that the others want them to think they are hillbillies. Michael says he knows what he saw and they are more scared than they are and have no idea that they are on their way. Sawyer says no more talk and they head out once again going left. What I noticed in this scene and I was like, is Jack going to notice this? What he's saying is like word for word what he said and has been saying. Like it feels very rehearsed. Mm-hmm. When he's like, they eat fish, they live in huts. Like the, It's like he's got these bullet points of what he was told to say. And I'm like, I'm hoping that Jack is picking up on that. And it's like, oh yeah, Saeed is right. Desmond rows in from the Elizabeth and Saeed asks to borrow the boat. Desmond says that there's something out there. And Saeed tells him that he needs to get to the north shore of the island. Desmond asks if he is off to see the hostiles, which confuses Saeed. But Desmond tells him that ignorance is bliss and gives him the boat. So he says he does not know how to sail. And Desmond tells him that he needs to find someone who does. So two big things here. One, what does Desmond mean by the hostiles? There's two options here. One, Desmond had some interactions with them. They had no interest in him. He just kind of saw them as what we originally saw them as. like Just like people living on the land and they were kind of aggressive towards him, told him to buzz off. And he was like, they're hostiles. Or two, when he was first brought to the hatch, maybe Kelvin told him about the others, referred to them as hostiles, and maybe explained even in more detail what they were. Because I still obviously think they have something to do with Dharma. Maybe they're like a faction that broke off and there you call them the hostiles. I don't know. Those are my two thoughts. Look at how many pencils he has. Who needs that many pencils? When was the last time you used a pencil? I use pens mainly. Yeah, so why do you have this many? I don't know. Should donate that to maybe a school. 
Yeah, a school in need. Oh, I've got my uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi pen. Shout out to Morgan Lowing. I stole this from her freshman year and I said I would give it back to her and I never did. You know did. what I still use at work? What do you still use at that work? That freaky pen that Devin gave me. <laughs> like the pink hair. At work? Don't you work from home? Yeah. <laughs> and I use it in my work notebook at home. The other big thing to talk about here is Saeed doesn't know how to do something. Yeah. That is true. What I thought was more surprising will come later. In the next flashback, Desmond tries to buy a coffee, but he doesn't have the money for it. So a kind stranger gives him four dollars. Come on. Oh, see, when I saw that that was in bold, I thought you meant because inflation. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, coffee is way more than four dollars. <laughs> the kind stranger is Libby. Desmond asks if she has 42,000 more of those. 42? Now, is that typical for a sailboat? I don't fucking know. I'm going to do some research. Okay, well, when you do that, I'm going to continue on with the scene. Libby asks why, knowing it's not a joke, and the two sit down and he tells her about the solo race around the world. Yeah, that's dumb. The average cost of a sailboat is about 250000 Maybe he was going to buy one used. 18 years ago. Let me, what year was this out in? This scene would have taken place in 2001. That equals today 72,000. Okay, it was probably like a used boat. So still not even close. How how big of a sailboat are we talking about? That boat that he had, that was a really big sailboat. Okay, but that boat was given to him. That wasn't the one he was like eyeing. Right, but like if you're sailing around the world... You can't just have, like, a little boat. Maybe when you're leisurely sailing around the world, not when you're racing. Okay, right. but the other thing is that, that that rich dude gave him a lot of money. So maybe 42000 was the balance. It. Are you joking? <laughs> <laughs> the big condition of that money was you can't talk to Penny, and he's doing this so he can What's win Penny back. Shoot him? Take the money and talk to Penny. I mean, it's... He could shoot him. He's a rich man. It's a risk I'd be willing to take. <laughs> anyway, he talks about the race around the world. We learn that he has eight months to get into the best shape of his life, and he is going to win, not just for the money, but because who is going to give it to him. He explains that Widmore tried to buy him off, and when he didn't take the money... <laughs> I didn't catch that part. <laughs> that is why I said he was dishonorably discharged. Shut up! Uh... <laughs> When he didn't take the money, Widmore took away Penny. Libby asks about her, and Desmond tells Libby how he was unsuitable for her. Libby asks what the money is for, and Desmond tells her that he is in need of a boat, which strikes a nerve with Libby. She tells him how her late husband had a boat. Libby tells him that her husband died a month ago and gives him the boat. Desmond initially turns her down, but Libby says it's what he would want. Desmond asks her husband's name. It's David. Libby says that he named the boat the Elizabeth after her, and Desmond thanks her and says he will win the race for love. Two things. Lauren, what was your reaction to Libby popping up in this flashback? I was actually excited because, as we know, I've not been like the biggest fan of Libby, but I do feel like her story was cut short. So I was like, oh my god, there she is. Please sit down at this table and tell me your entire backstory and how I went up in that hospital. 
fortunately that didn't happen. I did get more information, but kind of more questions. Time for fan theories that aren't true. Well, it could be true. One, a lot of people think the reason Libby wound up in the mental hospital is because her husband dying. They think it just drove her to the point of needing to be checked in. But a popular fan theory was her husband, David, was Dave. I wondered that, but I thought, eh, that's just a really common name, honestly. In fact, it's so common, it's Desmond's middle name. <laughs> Dave was the bald guy that Hurley was seeing um, when he was in oh. the mental hospital. Yeah. You know who else is Dave? Your dad and my dad? Yep. <laughs> okay, Kate, I know you have a lot of things to say about Libby. The floor is yours. One, digging the bangs. <laughs> Not what I thought that was going. <laughs> Two. Why are we just now getting into her backstory when she's dead? Here's a little quick bit. The writers actually had several ideas of how to get her story going in the flashbacks. After they killed her off. They scratched these storylines because the actress went ahead and booked other shows. Yeah, because they killed, they killed her. her off. That was so dumb. That really upset me. At this point, I thought I was going to lose Kate because she was like, why introduce these characters just to kill them immediately? I'm less upset about the character and more upset just about like opening a storyline and then doing nothing with it. That's really frustrating with me. Like, I want answers. It's just super random to be like, by the way, she had a dead husband in a boat. <laughs> right. <laughs> like... In case you were wondering, but we're not going to expand on that. She was also rich, apparently. She had, she was just throwing away coffee money. Four whole dollars. Four whole dollars. Coffee's like $10 these days. Jin finds Saeed and Sun talking, and when Sun asks for a couple of minutes, Saeed goes and waits by the shoreline. Sun explains that Saeed asked for Jin's help sailing to the other side of the island to help Michael. And Jin says, no, he will not leave Sun again. And Sun says, he will not leave her. She is going with. Girl boss. Here's what was surprising to me. Sailing is traditionally like a rich people activity. I understand. Like, I guess my question would be how similar are fishing boats to sailboats? Maybe that's why Jin knows how to sail. But he comes from like a low-income background. So it's surprising to me that he knows how to sail. Unless he learned after marrying into her rich family. I just, like, I, it makes sense that she knows how to sail. It doesn't make sense that he does. But he he did grow up fishing, so maybe those things just work. I don't know. Say yes. Maybe sailing mm -hmm. is just rich people shit in America. I, I don't really know. Yeah. I would probably say that. It's not we've seen Jin's village. It's not like it was like made of money. They might not have had like a working motorboat and they had to have actually sailed. Yeah, but sailboats are expensive as we have discussed in this episode. Yeah, like expensive good sailboats, not like ones that you make or have like really shitty ones that are just lying around. Yeah, but like a really shitty one doesn't take all of the the know-how of like this giant big fancy sailboat which he seemed to really know what he was doing on do you know anything about sailing to back that statement up no not even a little bit but it's one of those things that i'm gonna say with confidence and just 
assume I'm right. I will say a small sailboat and a big sailboat are very different. Boom. Well, Said has no sailing experience, so asking Jin, who is a fisherman, probably was the right thing to do. I'm just saying, like, if you put me on a small sailboat, I might have some memories, like, come back to me. If you put me on a sailboat that size, not one single clue. But that's you. Jin grew up fishing. Right. You joined it because it was fun, and you went to Arizona to sail. I didn't go to Arizona. But it was like a legit sailboat. Yeah, but it's not like you were doing it every day to like put food on the table. Right, but I'm saying like if you put me on a big sailboat, I wouldn't even know where to start. Well, he did. I'm not going to lie. I feel like they needed someone to sail this boat. And they were like, Jin's character fishes. Fishing happens on boats the most of the time. Well, let's just say that he can sail. I think in real life, that might be a stretch. And that's all I'll say on it. I don't think it's that important. I just think, hmm. Listeners, if you have any thoughts, let us know for flashbacks. Also, they were like, it's a season finale. Jack, Kate, and Hurley are in the jungle. We got to get Jin on a boat. That's just how these things work. You know who I would believe knows how to sail? Jack. Really? Yes, yeah. rich people shit. Rich people. I bet he's sailed a boat before. Him and him and Dr. Daddy go out on the ocean. Together. I don't get the vibe that they did a lot of sailing. No, but I think it's kind of like, you know how like some people have like a rich dad who like they don't talk unless they're like golfing. Maybe mm-hmm. it was like that, but with like sailing. I don't think Jack and Christian did a lot of talking either. Right, but like they might have gone golfing and sailing. They definitely he definitely went golfing, we know that. But he never really stepped up. When it came to the raft, so I'm not that confident that Jack knows how to sail. Yeah, because that raft was janky, but this is a real boat. Okay, well, he didn't step up to help with this boat either. Yeah, because he's out in the wilderness. Because for that plan, he had to be with Michael. The five of them march to the jungle, and Sawyer spots a doll. Kate stops him from picking it up and tells him about Daniel's trap and how they got stuck in the net. Bro. Thank you, Kate. That is how you stop someone from triggering a trap. Boom. Quick with it. She was right on it. Very assertive. Stops him. Grabs him. This is funny because I had just listened to our episode 19 where I was making fun of Jack for trying to stop Kate from falling in the trap by being like, wait, 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 wait. Kate on it. You know, I was thinking about this. I was going to save this for flashbacks when we covered that episode, but I'll say it now. Mm. I've been editing a lot lately. And something I have to edit out is you formulating a sentence when it's not complete or you're like flustered. So it's funny to me that you were criticizing Jack in an under pressure situation when he couldn't get words out, when you can't even get a sentence out when you're just having a conversation. Okay, true. But Jack followed up his shitty attempt to stop her by being like, oh, so you can hear me as if it was her fault. That she didn't understand him. She sprung the trap and he was saying, wait, 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 wait. Oh, you know what this reminds me of? Is it the, is it the fucking raw chicken thing? Yes. Oh my God. I stand by that you didn't do that well either. Basically, I like to buy the really big things of chicken from Aldi and then I put them in separate freezer bags because I'm just one gal. I can only eat so much chicken at a time. 
So I was portioning out my chicken and I said, Zane, can you hold this freezer bag open so I can put my chicken in it? So I'm putting it in. My hands have all this raw chicken juice on it. He's swinging it around, like rolling it over the raw chicken. And I'm like trying to tell him to stop. And I cannot formulate words because he's dragging this clean Ziploc bag over the raw chicken. I'm like, ah, 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 ah. And he's like, you're yelling at me. You're yelling at me. And I couldn't get the words out because it was like in slow motion. I'm just watching him drag the bag over the raw chicken. And I was like, oh, now I have to get a new bag. Now his hands have raw chicken on them. And then he gets so pissed at me that he goes, I'm leaving. So now whose side are you on? I have to think about which argument I would rather be wrong in real quick. (laughs) (laughs) I think I didn't have much skin in the game with the initial argument with Lauren. So I am on Kate's side. My side? (laughs) Shit, that's confusing. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I am on Lauren's side, on Kate's side. I disagree with producer Kate. There we go. You yelled at me and I'm sensitive. I'm really confused. I don't even know what side I'm on anymore. But anyway, Kate did a good job. And here's what the other thing that I wanted to say is that Kate has not been annoying me these past couple episodes and I've actually like kind of liked her. She's been doing some like helpful good things. I was thinking about giving Kate MVP this episode for what happens later. Oh, I and I gave her props for that too. We'll discuss later. I thought there was a real chance Kate could have could have snuck a hottie of the week this week, but I understand that Said was shirtless. No, yeah, I will give her MVP though. She was she was badass this episode. You know what I don't understand? Both Sawyer and Saeed were shirtless, and they did the exact same thing. How did Saeed eke out the hottie of the week? Yeah, I know, and I debated between Saeed took his shirt off first. So oh, he, Jesus fucking Christ. He distracted me, and then the I did not, let me tell you. That was just when he initially was given like haughty recognition he didn't like uh, outright earn it right then and there i watched the rest of the episode and was open and you know i just felt like for that scene saeed was just giving me more than sawyer sawyer actually like does stuff in this episode i'm not saying saeed doesn't but like action wise action hero good looking shit wise sawyer does more so i am surprised that saeed won it out i'm taking this exact opposite stance of that i had last week i i do get what you're saying but saeed also got to talk a lot in this episode and pretty much anytime saeed talks i am swooning after sawyer realizes that kate and jack did not have sex kate asks why the two of them are talking about her they hear a twig snap and a hurly bird flies right at them. Can I say something? Yes. I think Kate did a really good job this episode not annoying me. However, that line being like, oh, you talk about me? Yeah, you knew that they talked about you. You're playing the field and you know that they talk about you. So that did annoy me. I would have said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, the Hurley bird flies right at them. Michael tries to shoot at the bird, and Hurley asks if the bird said his name. Sawyer makes a joke about how it's ridiculous, and Michael checks his clip to find that it is empty. Jack says that he goofed and forgot to load that one and asks for him to hand him the clip, 
Michael's face says it all. He knows Jack does not trust him. What kind of bird was that? A Hurley bird. What the fuck is a Hurley bird? I don't know, but it definitely said Hurley's name. Check the subtitles. I just thought it was stupid that Michael was trying to shoot the bird. Oh, I, that pisses me off every time. <laughs> hey, there's like fucking five, like, <laughs> you should realize the gun is empty. Also, it just so seemed, much for no one's going to know you're coming. It seemed dangerous, too. Like, he's out of control, like, boom, 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 in the yeah. sky. You mean to tell us that you walked this way, like, two weeks ago and lived in the jungle by yourself and was, like, stalking the others and all that shit? And you're scared by a bird? Okay, I would be scared by that bird. That was a very big, very scary bird. And it said Hurley's name. What's up with that? I didn't hear it. (laughs) I I didn't hear it either, and I also watched with subtitles. Well, it says Hurley's name. Do you have thoughts on that? Can you do a reenactment of how it says Hurley's name? Hurley. Hurley. I hated that. <laughs> <laughs> that made me think of little, 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 From fucking Spongebob. Oh. Patrick. Fake fan. Ready? What? In honor of Inman. <laughs> it's more like... <laughs> I have found that our numbers do significantly better when Kate is on, including our TikToks that are just like the clips of us. It got taken down at one point for violating community guidelines, but our best videos are you making fun of Michelle Rodriguez. Okay, because her outfit was so bad. I gotta take I gotta put back up. Thoughts on the Michael moment of him realizing Jack's on him? I will say I actually am not okay. I'm mad at Michael for killing Anna Lucia and Libby, but I'm not that mad at him for, like, dragging them along in, like, this little mission. Because, like, what's he supposed to do? Just, like, let them keep his son? We argued earlier that we could understand why he killed Anna Lucia and Libby. I don't know. Killing seems a little extreme. It's his son. You have no maternal instinct, so I don't expect um, you to understand this. Oh, I'm sorry, Valentine. Yeah. Okay, someone kidnaps Valentine, and the only way that you can get her back is to kill two people you kind of know. Okay, I might do it. There you but go. But I'm just saying, like, it's less extreme to just, like, bring them these people than to, like, physically, like, stare at someone and, like, shoot them. Yeah, but you also don't know what's going to happen to these people. It could be a fate worse than death. Right, but, like, if you're shooting someone, you know that you're shooting them. This way you can just, like, play ignorant and be like, well, I didn't know. That's not how guilt works. I That's how I would tell it to myself. I'd be like, I didn't know. It's not my fault. <laughs> it's like Saeed's theory about he doesn't feel bad, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know. I do think, though, with him letting Henry go, it's not like he had a plan. And going into it, it's not like he planned to kill anybody. It was kind of a spur of the moment, like he panicked type of situation. But with this, like he fully knows what he's doing and he can play dumb all he wants. And he can be like, well, I don't know what's going to happen to them. But he is intending to lead these people into a bad situation. I will say the scene with him and Walt, like, I get it. I get why he's doing everything he's doing. It's just, it's just really hard. It's like, I don't even trust that they're going to give him Walt back. Even if he does all this stuff, he kills two people. He lets Henry go and he like brings them all these people. Like they could still just say, fuck you. And then you've just hurt all these other people. So from an outside perspective, it's really hard for me, but I do get it. 
I also will say when Walt was initially missing, they always seemed like preoccupied with other things. So it's like, even if he told the truth, like based on past experiences, like I wouldn't trust them to go back and get yeah. Walt. So there was like no motivation to go to help Michael, even though they offered like, I felt like it was an empty offer, and I did say that in those previous episodes, so I agree. Like, I don't think him just coming back and being like, here's the situation, like, I don't think they really would have helped him. Well, I mean, they went after Michael. It wasn't until the others forced them to turn around that they went back. And then the second Michael came back, they were like, all right, let's figure it out. But yeah, leading up to all of that, there definitely wasn't much, like... There wasn't, like, urgency, and it's like, this dude's no. son is missing. Like, Michael... Michael. Walt has been missing all of season two yeah which is just crazy to think about like modern day tv this is like a five episode arc i just like i know that michael's doing a bad thing but it's like i'm not actually that mad at him yeah it, i it's hard because it's like what he's doing is wrong but I, I get it yeah a lot of people talk about michael and Ana lucia as two characters that they hate and i think they get too much hate now i think michael can be annoying at times but i blame shitty dialogue for that you know, calling out Walt a hundred times, my boy, my, boy's my boy. Episode. That's bad dialogue. <laughs> to get my boy. Yeah. But that's not the character of Michael's fault. That's just bad dialogue. I feel like he gets too much hate. Yes, he killed Anna Lucia and Libby. Yes, that sucks because, you know, a lot of people loved Libby. Um, and no one cared for Anna Lucia. <laughs> I truly don't get it. Like, what do you think about Kate? What do you think about Ana Lucia? Like, I grew to love her. She, I didn't like her. I, I felt like she's always trying to start beef. And I was like, girl, let it go. I don't know. I felt like her last few episodes, like, she just, she was like neutral, verging on good. And I thought, because I obviously didn't know they were going to kill her. I thought that she was going to become that strong, like, female character that we were saying the show was lacking, that they want Kate to be, but they don't know how to write women. Like, I thought, oh, this is it. No, we shot her, so she's dead. I will say when we got her backstory, I liked her more. And I was like, okay, I get why you're, like, angry at the world. That makes sense. Um, So I think maybe if she wasn't, like, immediately shot... I would have liked her, but she didn't really have an opportunity. She had a huge character moment with the whole, I can't kill him. I don't want to do this anymore. The arc was there. And then they killed her. Yeah, I think, like, give her, like, five more episodes and I could have liked her. Yeah, I think I've said it before. I like angsty female characters. Like, the I'm mad at the world, nobody understands me characters. I always love them. So maybe that's why I liked her so much. I miss her. You heard it here first, Mom. I liked Libby though. Yeah, you I did. did. Like, I was you, sad. You guys were like polar opposite. I was sad when Libby died. I didn't like Libby and I don't care that she died. <laughs> Lauren was saying in a previous episode how she would ship a rock with a coconut because there's just so <laughs> little romantic interaction on the show. And I was like, in the previous episode, Hurley and Libby kissed for the first time. And she said, I don't trust that bitch. <laughs> That's the opener to episode 19, I think. Because yeah. I just thought, it's like, you know what it is? Maybe it's, like, how the complete opposite. Like, I just said, I love an angsty, like, brooding female character. Libby was, like, too nice all the time. And I don't like people that are, like, overly nice. So, yeah, maybe that's why I didn't like her. 
Charlie finds Locke crying in the jungle and asks what happened to his face. Locke says that he's fine. Oh, that broke my heart. Oh, Locke crying? Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. I was so sad for him. Charlie tells him that if he feels if he feels sorry for himself, he should have a drink with Desmond. Locke is confused, and Charlie realizes that he was not there for the boat's arrival at the funeral, and Locke realizes he is talking about Desmond. Charlie says he is sure they will have a lot to talk about. And Charlie, in this scene, was so weird. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he seemed kind of, like, all-knowing. And I, at first I was like, is Charlie possessed? You know what my first thought was? What? I was like, yeah, he looks like he'd be in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? You're totally right. You're totally right. Saeed tucks a gun behind a tarp as Jin and Sun arrive. Saeed tries to turn Sun away, but she says that he will need a translator and two people with sailing knowledge. Saeed counters that Desmond managed fine, and Sun points out that he is back on the damn island. Jin gives Saeed the there's no arguing with her shrug, and they load up. Honestly, I was... I know it's already been handed out, but I think Sun should have gotten some points here for Hottie of the Week as well. That was a pretty cool moment for Sun. I don't see once again her way through the episode. You don't get to just give people points for Hottie of the Week because they do something good or impressive or they were a strong character. Hottie of the Week is about who do I think is hot? Okay, her standing up for herself is confidence. Confidence is sexy. Oh my God! Shut your mouth. You know what's sexy? Taking your shirt off and jumping into the ocean. Stop trying to be all like, I'm evolved. I'm not. And I run hottie of the week. Desmond watches Claire prepare a vaccine shot and tells her that she is wasting her time. He shot himself with that every nine days for three years. He asks if Aaron's father is on the island and Claire tells him that he walked off the second he got scared. Desmond says that maybe he knew he would be a bad dad and was doing what was best for them. Claire says he was doing what was best for himself. At this point, I was like, okay, well, he obviously left somebody and thought, like, I don't know why I was taking it way more literally. I was like, did he leave a child behind to think it was the best thing to do? No, it was obviously fucking Penny, which they revealed very quickly, which was my second thought. I don't know why it wasn't my first. It should have been. It seems to be his, like, storyline this episode with the flashbacks desmond asks, why do you think i would run away and widmore calls him a coward and then obviously he's running in the next scene what are you running from oh i'm actually running to something so yeah i can see how you got there i was like does she think desmond has a kid let's see where this goes in the next flashback desmond prepares for his run in the stadium where he and jack first met As Jack arrives, so does Penny, and Desmond is stunned to see her. Penny is played by Sonia Wagner. Well, Wagner. Wagner. One of the... I'll figure it out. Probably Wack. He's got the IMDb app open. Yeah, I do. Walger. Penny is played by Sonia Walger. Sonia. Sonia Walger. I'll go with that. Probably Sonia. Sonia? Penny is played by Sonia Walger. Uh, He asks how she found him, and she says, with enough money and determination, you can find anyone. She asks if he has read the book yet. What's the book called, Kate? Mutual Friends. Nope. Not it. Our Mutual Friend. Okay. (laughs) I was right. Desmond says no. She says that he thought he might have read it while he was away. He tells her that he was not away. He was in prison. 
She asks why he did not write and begins to cry. Desmond asks when the wedding is, and Penny is shocked that he knows that and says they have not set a date yet. He says that he will be back in a year, and Penny says that he could be back now. Desmond says he's going to win the race, his race, and in a year, he will be back. He wipes her tears and goes to run when she asks what he is running from, and he says he needs to get his honor back, and that is what he is running to, and then takes off running. We then see what happens with Jack and Desmond later on. Okay, typical romance movie shit that drives me crazy every single time. Why didn't you write? You tell her right now that you wrote. That breaks my heart. Tell her. Tell her that you didn't write and that her evil father. Ugh. It drives. Ugh. Hate it. What I hate is she has a whole ass fiance. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. you could be with me right here, right now. You know who else could be with you? Your fiance. True. I have thoughts on the fiance, but we have to wait till part two. Mm. That also annoyed me that she's like, why didn't you write me? I'd be like, bitch, why did you get engaged? Again, I have <laughs> thoughts on the fiance. <laughs> But we have to wait till part two. I have to wait because I don't remember either. So uh, I don't really think there's much to remember because this is more oh. of a theory of mine. But we have to wait until something happens first. But Lauren, what do you think of Penny? I didn't have money thoughts. I'll, I can think of one thing. I'd sail around the world for her. She's very pretty. Really? Yeah. I think it's the accent, really. <clears throat> I can do an accent. Hit me with it. <laughs> I got nervous. Ask me why I didn't write. Why didn't you write to me? Have me. <laughs> Locke asks the question from Adrift, what did one snowman say to the other? And we finally get the answer. It smells like carrots. Pretty sure you told me the answer to it in that original episode. Yeah, but we didn't get it back then. Anyway, they greet each other and Locke joins him in his drinking. Desmond comments on him fixing the computer and Locke asks how long he was down there. Three years. Locke tells him it was all for nothing, <laughs> which was just fucking brutal. Glad you're back. You wasted your life. Three years? That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> there was no point. <laughs> Locke tells him it was all for nothing, and Desmond asks how he knows that. Locke tells him about the Pearl and what he saw on the orientation film and how the Swan Hatch was all an experiment. Desmond says that he is lying, and Locke pulls out the VCR tape. Desmond says if he is so sure it's not real, then just stop pushing the button. Locke says that someone has taken his place, so tomorrow they are going to find out what happens when the button does not get pushed. The five have made camp for the night as Sawyer offers Hurley some food, but he turns it down saying he is not hungry. Shocking, Sawyer. That was so fat phobic. <laughs> What do you mean, big fat fatty? You want to buy? Like, you want two? You want two? Three? Oh, what do you mean you're not hungry? Oh, is it because you're starving? Like, <laughs> I was like, why did you include that? Like, it was just so out of pocket. I liked the moment of like Sawyer checking on Hurley because this season has done a lot to their relationship where Sawyer's just like a fucking asshole. And then they immediately take it away with the, really? <laughs> Michael's guilt is reaching its breaking point as he's taking deep breaths away from the fire. And Jack finds him and asks what he's doing. Michael lies saying he was just getting firewood. And Jack offers him help. 
Michael thanks Jack for risking his life for Walt, and Jack responds, live together, die alone. And I swear, every time I watch this show, I always just think, why the fuck did they call season two live together, die alone? And I was like, oh, right, this one line. I feel like they could have called it something else. None of the other finales are, like, iconic lines from the show. Like, Exodus. Okay. just thought it was weird. I don't like how they phrase it. Live together, die alone. Yeah. Well, you know, it's abbreviated from the actual speech. It, I agree. I don't like it. And I was never going to say it because you are, like, so obsessed with it. I don't like it as an abbreviation because if you know if you hear it out of context, you think that they're saying, if you live together, you'll die alone. Like, that's what it sounds like when you, you know what I mean? I think one way they could have changed it is by adding or. Exactly. I've thought that the whole time. Kind of drives me crazy. Yes, or definitely would do that. But what you're saying about hearing it out of context the people they say it to know the context. They know it's part of that big Right, speech. but me, as a viewer, thinks it's dumb. Yeah, and can I just say that, like, the only reason I saw that speech as important is because you pointed it out to me, like, oh, this is going to be, like, a huge theme for the rest of the show. If I had just been watching this, like, unbiased, I would have watched that scene and been like, whatever i probably wouldn't have even remembered that he said that then the rest of the show if they were be like live together die alone i'd be like why are they saying it like that that's stupid well i'm glad i pointed it out then yeah but i'm saying most people don't have an annoying vein to coach them through watching this show son is throwing up overboard and Jin says he told her not to come that's rude <laughs> she says it's not seasickness and he says he knows and show Jin. Yeah. But Jin wanted her to come. No, he said, don't come. But he was like, I'm not going to leave you again. Right. That was his way of saying, I'm not going. Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry. I get seasick. And if someone was like, I ain't told you not to come, I'd punch them in the face. <laughs> well, she wasn't being seasick. Well. How far out do you have to go before seasickness like really hits? I guess it's like a sensitivity thing. For me, five minutes. I was thinking like distance. Doesn't matter no, about distance. It's it doesn't just, matter the it's distance. The waves. It's, yeah. It gets choppier the further you go out, right? Not always. It's See, I wouldn't know. I I was not a sailing team. That actually didn't make me seasick because it wasn't like wavy. I guess you weren't seasick on the lake. You can get seasick on a lake. I've been seasick on a river. I've been seasick on the sea. I've been seasick on a lake. I've been. Seasick in a pool, bitch. I can be seasick anywhere that I'm moving all weird. Took a shower one time. Threw like, up. Like getting car sick. Like I get car sick. That's like the same as seasick, but in a car. Yeah, exactly. but you got to be a sailor to get seasick. Okay. Well, I must be a sailor then. <laughs> but you literally are. You're the oh, only yeah. one of the three of us that are. <laughs> Jin shows Sun another weird island find. It's a statue. Or what's left of one. Of a foot with four toes. I did not catch that the first time that we watched it. When he was just like, I don't know what's weirder. And then when he said it has four toes, I was like, no way. Lauren, reaction, prediction, theories? Weird, weird, weird. I have no idea. I I can't even come up with like, maybe that was the polar bear king. (laughs) 
He only has four toes because the polar bear bit off one of his toes before he took reign over the polar bears. Do bears have four toes? Five toes? Bears have um, no toes. You've talked about the others potentially being a cult. Right. You think this is connected at all? Could be their leader. You know, the only difference between a cult and a religion typically is that the the leader is alive in a cult. There you go. Well, hopefully we'll learn more about that statue. Sure we will. Why do you say that? Why would they put it in this is going to be a fucking Libby shit? Exactly. They're just, just going to show it to me and then be like, well, we'll never address that again. We're actually going <laughs> to shoot the foot statue in the stomach and let it die. Echo carves in his stick as the lights in the hatch go out. He looks for what caused this and hears a countdown. Desmond has initiated the lockdown, and as Echo tries to get his stick under the door, Locke grabs it, locking them in with the computer and a pleading Echo out. Desmond says he hopes Locke is sure about this, and Locke says he is more sure about this than anything in his entire life. He has done a complete 180, and Desmond says that they will wait. Now that you have seen Desmond knows how to initiate the lockdown, does your theory on who made the map change at all? Okay, here's the thing. I suppose it would change my theory on that. But my problem is, why make the map when when he got out of the hatch, he just ran off to his sailboat and tried to escape? Then, like, what was the purpose of the map? It's interesting. I don't know. Another thing to point out, when Locke tells Desmond about the Pearl Station, Desmond didn't know what that was, which could explain why it was a question mark. Mm. or like I can't even remember was he super surprised when when Locke said I found another hatch he did seem surprised yes so maybe he didn't know about any of the other shit and the map had nothing to do with it in the next flashback Desmond struggles to sail the Elizabeth through a storm he goes below deck and grabs our mutual friend and prepares to go overboard a wave knocks him over and out and flashes of him washing up on shore and being taken to the hatch occur His rescuer takes off his mask, and it's Kelvin Inman, who asks if he is him, and the snowman question. Desmond is confused and asks who Kelvin is, and he asks where the boat is, and Kelvin tells him that when he found him on the beach, there was no boat. The alarm goes off, and Kelvin pushes the button, saying that he was just saving the world. I did not like the directing choices for that scene. The way that, like, they did it made it seem like there were more than one person in the hazmat suits, like, rescuing him. And I was so confused. And then I was like, oh, no, it's just, like, a really weird choice. I've always thought scenes like this don't make sense. Where it's, like, we see through, like, hazy vision what the character with a head trauma or is on, like, a psychedelic trip is, is, like, doing. It's like, no, we're fine. It's Desmond who's fucked up. The same thing happens in in Hunger Games when Katniss is tripping on the Tracker Jack Venom and like everything around her is like all fucked up. And it's like, no, we just need to see her perspective, not what she looks like. I definitely get what you're saying. But here's the thing. We see every other flashback is only giving us like first person omniscient, right? Mm -hmm. Wait, is it omniscient? First person limited would be limited thank you yes thank you that's what i'm trying to say first person limited 
even though we're seeing it like literally well i guess it'd be like third person limited guys i don't know anyway we're only seeing what that character knows and whatever so even though yeah we're not the ones with the head wound but we're still getting it like the same way that we see every other flashback they're just showing us that this one is a little hazy like if they were to randomly switch to from his eye you know his point of view well that doesn't really make sense because every other flashback is from our point of view of him even though it's his experience does that make sense what i'm trying to say yeah like, but i get like, just don't get, have it be hazy yeah but the whole point of it being hazy is to be like it's still his experience even though we're seeing it third person his experience was that he was like coming in and out and in and out and he was confused yeah i guess that makes sense it also just made me nauseous yeah, I hate I it. was going to ask you what your reaction was to the return of Mr. Krabs, but you clearly didn't notice. Now that you know, of all the people to pluck out of a random flashback story and stick in that hatch, it is pretty interesting that they chose Inman, who even when we covered one of them, you said he didn't leave that big of an impression on you. Yeah, he didn't. And also, how the hell? How the hell? Now, remember, I did say that I thought maybe Dharma had some military tie-ins because of the sniper situation. So maybe Dharma I'm or the something. others. I think the others at one point or are still Dharma. So yeah, Dharma. I personally think they just were like, Clancy Brown is fantastic and we can't waste him with a one-off. So let's bring him back. Yeah, I, I do think a lot of this show is just to be like, oh, small world, weird. Desmond watches the orientation film again, and Kelvin asks how many times he's going to watch it. Desmond asks about the missing pieces, and Kelvin says Radzinski made edits. He asks who that is, we learn it's his partner. Desmond asks what happened to him, and Kelvin does not tell him, but he tells him to put the tape back behind Turn the Screw. Desmond asks why he is wearing a hazmat suit and Kelvin tells him so he does not get infected and gives him a vaccine saying he was out there a while before he found him and he hopes it was not too late. And I know you're all wondering, what is the significance behind Turn of the Screw? Because this is now the second time it has been mentioned. Turn of the Screw is a book found in the Swan and was written by Henry James, originally published in 1898. The book tells the story of a young governess at a remote estate who slowly comes to realize her young charges are being haunted by the ghosts of their former governesses and the valet with whom she was romantically involved with the heroine becomes more and more convinced that these two ghosts mean to harm the children and her efforts to protect them end in tragedy however the reader is left with a strong impression that the two ghosts were figments of the governess's imagination why is this referenced so many times a dramatization of the book was filmed in 1957 under the title the others oh literary stuff and laws they talk about a lot of books so i'm just gonna probably do that from now on anyway desmond asks who echo is and why his stick is covered in scripture Locke tells him that he is a priest and desmond asks why they locked out a priest meanwhile echo is beating on the hatch door and eventually climbs out the hatch door from the season one finale season two premiere and stares at the quarantine door he runs to the beach camp and finds charlie strumming he asks how they got the hatch door open, and Charlie says that they blew it open. 
Echo says that he needs his help, which Charlie takes offense to, but Echo tells him how Locke locked him out of the hatch, and unless he can get in, in 90 minutes, everyone on the island will die, and Charlie agrees to help. Now, this is like the big chunk of the episode, so we'll just go through, and if anyone has thoughts, feel free to jump in. Sawyer asks Michael if he thinks the others are what is left of Dharma. Michael says he is unsure, and Sawyer says he thinks that they are aliens. Now, Kate and I have been watching a show called Yellowstone. Nope. Nope. Kate and I have been watching a show called Yellow Jackets lately. Kate has already seen the first two seasons. I just finished season one. And I have been trying to predict things like crazy. And I'm sure it's ruining the viewing experience for Kate. You just, like, don't know how to chill. (laughs) (laughs) When I'm watching TV, like, I'm just watching it. But he's, like, he's sitting up. He's like shaking his legs and he's like, how does this all connect? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just watching it. Yeah, I get that. Cause like when I watch Naruto with Andrew, like afterwards, he'll want to like debrief. He'll be like, so what did you think about this? And what did you think about this? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, he'll be like, well, what do you think this is going to be? And I'm like, I'm sure they'll tell me. I don't really want to speculate. It is fascinating to me that one, you essentially are just doing a Naruto podcast with Andrew and two, you don't want to have those conversations when you do this every week. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Like sometimes like when he asks me those questions I feel like I'm on the podcast and it's like a chore. I'm like <laughs> dude, I don't know. Just like let me watch a show. But then also sometimes when I watch a show I think about it like lost and I want to like write down my feedback and like give people my feedback i can't remember what i was watching recently that i like had the urge to like write down my my thoughts don't know what it was i bring up yellow jackets because while we watch it i'll be like this is my theory this is my like i'm locking it in this is absolutely true yada 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 kate will sometimes just like give me this look like oh you figured it out way to go or whatever Sometimes she'll just tell me when I'm wrong. She won't say what I'm wrong. She'll say one of your theories is wrong or whatever, right? But while I'm watching it, there was this one thing that I was like, they're trying to trick us by uh, hinting at it, but not saying that like we should be suspicious. So now that Sawyer has just out and said, I think that the others are what's left of Dharma. Has that changed your theory at all? Did you even notice that he said that? I did notice that he said it. I mean, I don't really know how it makes me feel. Like, part of me is like, maybe they want us, they want that to be a fan theory. And they're like, let's just say it for the dummies that might not have thought it yet. Like, they want it to be a theory to set up like a twist or something later on. Um, I still think that even if like, because I think what he's insinuating is like, oh, there. he said what's left of Dharma. Like, as if, oh, Dharma's not a thing anymore. Like, I think the only twist I could predict right now is like, Dharma is still active as hell. And that this is Dharma. Like, you know what I mean? You also could keep in mind that this episode was started production a month before it came out. So it could also just be throwing it in there because it is a fan theory. And they're just like paying reference to that. Maybe. Sawyer asks what Kate thinks, and she tells him to keep walking because two others are on the other side of the creek trailing them. She says she's about to turn the tables, and she gets her gun ready and asks if Sawyer's in. So they draw and they start shooting, 
And Sawyer hits and kills one, and the other gets away. I know we said Kate was MVP. She's fired a gun a couple times now. I don't think she's ever hit anything. (laughs) That is true, I think. Jack stops Kate from chasing after him, and Sawyer says that if he gets away, the others will know they are coming. Jack says it does not matter because they already know. Sawyer asks what he means, and Jack tells Michael to tell them and to stop lying. In the past, I have re- referenced Jackface. This might be the biggest Jackface moment of the series. He gets in Michael's face. He grabs him, shoves him into the tree, tells him to stop lying, that he knows what he's doing. Matthew Fox is just acting his little heart out here. And Michael breaks down, saying it was the only way. And the others gave him a list. He says it has their names on it. And if he did not bring them, he would never see Walt again. And everyone is shocked. Jack asks who the others are. And Michael says, it's like he described. They live in tents and they eat fish. Again, hitting those bullet points that you mentioned Just, earlier. Why are you still lying? Well, I mean, on to you, brother. In the previous episode, Michael did see that when he was being held captive by them. Oh, yeah, that's all them. they've shown. That's all they've shown at this point. They did say, oh, there's a hatch, but like Michael didn't see inside the hatch as far as we know. So like as a viewer, I could be dumb and think he's telling the truth. Well, that is then. all. <laughs> but I I already feel like, yeah, I I, I was confident in thinking that's not That's what happens are. when you haven't seen the previous episodes. I was like, I was like, stop lying. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Lauren, you said he's hitting these bullet points. He's now confessing and he's still hitting these bullet points. Do you think he's holding something out? I, th- I think maybe he's even trying to like convince himself that what he's doing isn't putting them at risk. Like he, that's what he's used to convince himself that what he's doing isn't totally wrong is he's like, well, they can take them. Like they're not that intense or whatever, but like, I do think that they are that intense. As Michael describes them, Jack disarms him. Kate asks if he let Henry go, which he confirms. This part breaks my heart. Hurley asks if he killed Ana Lucia and Libby, which he confirms saying he had to and Libby was an accident. He did not have time to think. Jack and Sawyer looks like they have been rocked to their core. And when Kate and I talked about if Jack or Saeed knew, I don't think Jack did because of the way he reacted here. Uh, Great facial reaction by Josh Holloway. He looked like he was dead inside in this scene. Also, Evangeline Lilly did great as well. Hurley asks if he did have time to think, would he have still killed them? Michael apologizes, saying it was son, but he's just getting dagger stares. Hurley says he is going back, and Jack stops him, saying he can't. Hurley says he was leading them to a death trap, and he let them come anyway. And Jack says they know they're following them, and if they believe they don't trust Michael, the others will kill them all. He says he would never leave them out there if he did not have a plan, and Sawyer asks what the plan was. For skimming your notes, and you said, way to go, Jack, you blew it. I said that when he initially just popped off and was like, tell them the truth. I didn't think in the moment that was the right thing to do, but I do kind of see, like, what else was he supposed to do? Speaking of this plan, Saeed prays on the ship when Jin spots the hole in the wall that Michael described. He tells Saeed, and Saeed announces that they have arrived. 
And that is how part one of the season two finale ends. So before we lock in predictions, Lauren, let's just check in with all the characters, how you're feeling about them. Cause a lot happened. Just the big ones I want to hit. How you feeling about Michael? Uh, not loving him. I get why he did what he did, but uh, I don't know. I'm just like, how you feeling about Jack? Whatever. He's fine. I get it. I feel like he's a little too hot headed. Needs to chill, but I don't hate him right now. How you feeling about Locke? I feel bad for him, but I do hope that he doesn't do something super stupid, but I think he's going to do something super stupid. Let's lock in some predictions. What do you think is going to happen in the hatch? Well, apparently they're going to use dynamite. And I think like Echo is going to try to like break into the hatch. I I just think that's a terrible idea. I don't really know. I just think I just think terrible idea. Will the button be pushed? I think there's a lot of buildup, and I think we're going to see the button not be pushed. What do you think will happen? Because you locked it in a few weeks ago. You said not real. Yeah, I my prediction is still that nothing will happen. What do you think is going to happen with Michael and the core four? Honestly, I don't even know because they're like they're the they're the core characters. So I don't really know. Maybe the others will just be like, oh, we just want to have like a talk and it'll be like a, a round table conference type of thing. And they're, and they're going to dish and they're going to let them go. I feel like they could have just gone to the beach camp for that. Uh, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Do you think anything is going to happen like a death? I'm feeling pretty fucking nervous about this boat situation the three people on the boat i don't know honestly i think if there's a death it would be in this whole hatch situation with them trying to use dynamite to do something like i think somebody could get blown up again i don't know i'm nervous though i don't feel good will michael get walt back yes i mean he's doing everything they said to do i'm gonna say yes any other theories, predictions that you think might happen in this episode? I think we'll find out Henry's real name. So you think Henry's going to pop back up? Yeah, I do. And I think we're going to find out his real name. You think we'll learn Mr. Friendly's real name? Maybe, but I don't care so much about that. Yeah. Right. Well, we've only got one episode left of season two. No big secret here. It's a Desmond episode. It's Live Together, Die Alone, part two. And don't worry, folks. Kate will be back next week. First time ever. Kate's going to be in two episodes in a row. They can't see you fist pump. <laughs> Just know I was fist pumping. <laughs> I'm out of questions for Lauren, but if you have questions for us, make sure you get them in for flashback. Shout Don't out to whoever brought up running the 40. Oh, yes. I forgot to mention. I told Zane I didn't want to run the 40, and I was just like, nobody cares. Nobody wants to see us run the 40. And then I was like, let's make a deal. If somebody brings it up and asks about running the 40, I will do it. And Zane got a DM. 
asking about the 40. So not uh, only did they ask, when are we going to run the 40? They also said, I subscribe to the YouTube because I want to hear Lauren's fanfic. So shout out to Elsa in Mexico for both subscribing and asking about the 40 time and Mel Allgood for also subscribing. She has never subscribed to anything on YouTube before, but she desperately wants to hear the fanfic. So get those subscriptions in people. Also place your bets on who's going to be faster. (laughs) I'm betting on myself because Zane and I went to a spin class and I whooped him and he almost threw up. (laughs) Oh God. This fanfic is making me really fucking nervous. I don't like to be judged, especially on the internet. I think this is probably the first time someone's going to say something mean about me. Like, actually mean. Like, I'll care about it. And Not I've Lauren's going to Lauren. Yeah, Lauren's going to Lauren. And, you know, that same person said I had a shitty laugh. Fine. <laughs> Fine, you want the tussle? Anyway, yeah, I'm nervous. But... Go subscribe to the YouTube anyway. It's Lauren Gets Lost on YouTube and on Facebook. Lauren Gets Lost.pod on TikTok. Lauren Gets Lost Pod on Instagram and Lauren Gets Lost on Twitter. If you enjoyed this podcast, please, please, please give us five stars wherever you're listening. Leave us a review and spread the word so we can get even more YouTube subscribers so I can embarrass myself. Tell your friends, tell your family, and tell your sailing instructor. And join us next week for... Part two of the finale, and we will wrap up season two. Two whole seasons of us not killing each other. We keep coming close, and it's always when Kate's around. Thank you for listening to Lauren Gets Lost. This podcast is hosted by and edited by Zane Kohler with co-host Lauren Kohler, produced and guest starring Kate Worcester, and our music is done by David Kohler. And remember, they were not dead the whole time.